This is the What Happened Today podcast, your daily history podcast that tells you what happened on this day in history. Brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network, online, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, and on Facebook and Twitter, at Prod Leisure. I'm your host, Will Floyd, and what happened today, December 2nd, in 1804, Napoleon Bonaparte was officially coronated as Emperor of the French at Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. Never before in the history of France had there ever been an emperor to rule over the nation. France had, since the time of Charlemagne, had kings. And so Napoleon taking on the role of emperor was wildly different. Even more striking was Napoleon was coming out of the first French Republic, brought about by the French Revolution. He was taking on the mantle of something in the French Revolution which was deeply anti-monarchical and having himself crowned as emperor. He also was taking on a tradition that was deeply anti-clerical, and yet he had Pope Pius VII there to effectively make sure that this was a royalist Catholic moment. But it also, as with most things Napoleon did to the state of France, a traditionalist affect placed in something that was radically new. When Napoleon became emperor in 1804, he was not taking power for the first time. In fact, he had been ruling for five years already, as in the coup of Brumaire, which really took place in November of 1799, but under the French Republican calendar was slightly differently accounted for. Napoleon had helped engineer a coup that overthrew what was known as the Directory, what had been ruling the Republic of France since the abolition of the monarchy, and in fact, had had its own problems. People welcomed the coup that Napoleon led. But as the Directory was replaced with the Consulate, which should have had three leaders, Napoleon quickly became the most important, the real leader of France. And so first, in 1802, there was a referendum to make Napoleon the first consul for life, head of government, obviously. But while being first consul, Napoleon was still threatened by the Bourbons, the former royal house of France, and by various international intrigues. And so in November of 1804, a referendum was put before the French people, asking in a simple yes or no whether they wanted to make Napoleon the emperor of the French. Only slightly more than half of the 7 million voters in France showed up, and of the people who did vote, 99.93% said that they wanted Napoleon as emperor. In some ways, what it really shows is just how upsetting and world-changing the French Revolution really was. They were already over a decade from having killed their last monarch, Louis XVI, by dragging him to the guillotine and having him beheaded. They also beheaded his wife. There had been a series of leaders who had lost their heads at the guillotine. And the one man who seemed to come through was Napoleon Bonaparte, by far the best general in the Revolutionary Army of France. And so he was able to take power in 1799 and as the popular leader was able to be made emperor, the help of the French Republic, which actually turned the First Republic into an empire. On the other hand, of all the empires in the world, not only was the French the most shocking coming out of no tradition of empire, but also led by the most unlikely of emperors. Although he was a gifted French general, Napoleon was born Napoleone di Bonaparte on the island of Corsica in the Mediterranean to a family that was part of the minor Italian nobility. 
Corsica was ruled by France, which is how Napoleon ended up joining the French army and in fact becoming an officer in that army. But in many ways, he was still the Corsican, the man from nowhere, essentially, in terms of France. He came to power through almost sheer force of will. He had proven to be such a skilled artillery commander that he easily dispatched loyalist armies, coalitions in the 1790s, and already early in the first years of the 19th century was leading France to new heights on the battlefield. And that is when he changed the very nature of the state of France. The coronation itself was in every way an odd mashup of what Napoleon wanted to transform about the French state and the legacy he wanted to adopt as his own, even though he had no connection to that legacy. Traditionally, the kings of France were anointed by the Archbishop of Reims at the cathedral in Reims in the Champagne region of France. Napoleon wished to be coronated, not to be anointed with oil, but to have a crown placed on his head. And he decided to do it in the very heart of Paris, at Notre Dame Cathedral, on Ile de la Cité, the oldest part of the city. In many ways, picking Notre Dame was actually having an even bigger impact in terms of the traditional role of the French Catholic Church. In the heart of Paris, the great church of France, Notre Dame stood as the great pillar of French Catholicism. On the other hand, French Catholicism had undergone quite the beating in the previous decade and a half before Napoleon's coronation. The Republic didn't just divorce the state from the church, it actively cracked down on the church. Napoleon changed some of this when he came to power, but the way he changed this was to actually capture and kidnap Pope Pius VI. When, in 1800, Pius VI died in French captivity, his successor was the rather surprising candidate, Barnum and Niccolo Maria Luigi Tierramonti. He took the name Pius VII, trying to have his own continuity in a time of upheaval. He was a theologian and bishop. In many ways, Tierramonti was selected as Pope in order to try and appease France. In fact, he took office six months after his predecessor had died, so it was unclear what would happen to the papacy. And in many ways, he was successful in restoring the Catholic Church in France. With the Concordat of 1801, he guaranteed religious freedom for anyone who wanted to practice as a Catholic in France, and he had at least decent dealings with Napoleon. And so it made sense that with this coronation, Pius VII would be there. It also connected Napoleon to the tradition of the Holy Roman Empire, which he was waging war against, but also traced its lineage to Charlemagne in the 9th century. Traditionally, Holy Roman emperors were crowned by the Pope, and the symbolism was still present. And trying to connect back to Charlemagne was a key part of Napoleon's coronation. He actually had a brand new crown made, but he called it the crown of Charlemagne, saying it was made to be like the ancient crown of Charlemagne that had been there for the Carolingian dynasty. It was a break with the Bourbons, who had used the actual crown of Charlemagne, which looked very different. Napoleon's is a sort of 19th century wannabe medieval classical monstrosity. The actual crown of Charlemagne was a simple metal band that later had four metal fleur-de-lis around the rim. It's in any image of kings of France from the medieval era. But Napoleon had a different crown. And the entire ceremony fit this pattern, that the very way it was put together was to make sure that Napoleon had all of the authority and the offices that a king of France would have, but somehow bigger and grander. He had a massive coronation mantle, a huge robe, made of velvet and with ermine furs on it. Throughout it were embroidered golden bees, 
This was done because the tomb of Childeric I, a Merovingian king, was uncovered by Napoleon, and it had lots of bees around it. This also meant that it was a symbol of royal authority in France that had nothing to do with the Bourbons. He also had a scepter that he said had belonged to King Charles V of France and a sword belonging to Philip III. None of this was actually verifiable, and in fact, it probably was just as authentic as the crown of Charlemagne. But what Napoleon had was a coronation ceremony of pomp and circumstance, and most importantly, religiosity. He performed the litany of the saints during his ceremony. He had the Pope present. And in the actual crowning, Napoleon had already put on his head a laurel wreath, symbolic of the Caesars of ancient Rome. And Pope Pius VII had the crown. But before Pius could crown Napoleon, Napoleon grabbed the crown out of Pius's hands and placed it on his own head. He wanted the Pope there, but he did not want the Pope to crown him. There was no authority before Napoleon. He then placed a crown on the head of his wife, Josephine, again asserting his own authority. And after Pius proclaimed, Vivat Imperator in Aeternum, may the emperor live forever in Latin, Napoleon took an oath on the Bible. The entire action, in some ways, was just an add-on. As soon as he got the power from the referendum, Napoleon did not really need the full ceremony of a coronation. But it was important that he did it. It was, in many ways, a propaganda achievement, more than any official governmental action. In addition to having so many people crowding the cathedral that actually saw it and spreading word about it, he had Jacques-Louis David, the great painter of the time, paint a massive painting called The Consecration of the Emperor Napoleon I and Coronation of the Empress Josephine in the Cathedral of Notre-Dame de Paris on 2nd December 1804. There could be no mistake. And as much as the coronation was symbolic, that Napoleon already had power, that he could take whatever title he wanted, and that he even had already put it to a vote, even if that vote was not quite on the level. The coronation ceremony itself was important. Napoleon needed to make himself the emperor, and he did that. But he was also creating the idea of an emperor. He would be defeated in battle twice, actually, in 1814 and 1815. But Napoleon was the first emperor, and his idea in 1804 was that he would carry on the tradition. Later, his nephew, Louis Napoleon, would become Napoleon III, acknowledging the short reign that never existed of Napoleon II after the downfall of Napoleon Bonaparte. But the coronation of Napoleon was the only such coronation of a French emperor. Napoleon III, as emperor, never had a coronation ceremony. It was something only Napoleon Bonaparte could do. Although throughout his coronation ceremony, he was aping various aspects of the traditional French process of elevating someone to king, he was in essence taking his own form. It was what he had done his whole career. He had proved himself to be the best commander on a battlefield. Then he became an extraordinarily young general. Then he became the best general in revolutionary France. And finally, he took power. But after taking power, it wasn't enough. Napoleon had to do more. He had to go further. And he finally did it by putting together a massive, impressive coronation ceremony at Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, which is what happened today, December 2nd, in 1804. That will do it for today's episode. But as always, please check back in tomorrow for a brand new episode because we are a daily history podcast and we do put out a new episode each and every day. You can also find all of our episodes on our website, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you are listening to us on either iTunes or Stitcher, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a rating, and leave a review. 
because those are the ways you can help us to get onto charts and be heard by brand new listeners. You can also help us out a bit more directly by going to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash leisure and becoming one of our patrons. At Patreon, patrons give small monthly contributions to support ongoing creative work, like a podcast network. So if you want to hear more of the What Happened Today podcast or any other Productive Leisure Network podcast, please go to patreon.com slash leisure and become one of our patrons today. You can also follow us for updates on everything to do with the Productive Leisure Network on Facebook and Twitter, at Prod Leisure. Thanks for listening, and see you tomorrow.